0: Broadcasting live, high atop the Sunset Strip, deep in the heart of Tinseltown, via the World Wide Web at ww.eedamrocksradio.com. It's the Edom Rocks Radio Show. Oh, my goodness! And now your host, Son Edom. And welcome to another edition of what I like to call From Nonsense to God Sense, where we take a look at some of the issues of today through a biblical perspective. And today we're going to be talking about. Have you tapped into God's secret wisdom? And is it really all that much of a secret? Joining us is Dan DelZell, pastor of Wellspring Church in Papillion, Nebraska. And Dan, thanks for joining us again.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you, son.
0: So God's secret wisdom. In 1 Corinthians 2, it says that uh, it's wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. So just exactly, what is the secret wisdom that you speak of?
1: Well, the secret wisdom of God refers to the gospel message, Son. In uh, actually the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, uh, we're told, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And then Paul went on to write, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So, the term secret wisdom was just simply a way that I was attempting to get at this distinction between what man by nature can come up with as compared to a message that God has revealed from heaven in His divine plan, and this, of course, is the message of the gospel that His only Son would come into the world and uh, suffer and die on a cross for our sins. and and that all who believe in Christ uh, would then be forgiven. You know, it's interesting, uh, Paul went on to write there, Jews demand miraculous signs, and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God, and then notice this phrase, Son, he says, not only Christ, the power of God, but he also says, and the wisdom of God. So the sense in which it's secret wisdom is, is the sense in which it must be revealed to a person, um, and what the Bible lays out is that faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. So um, you, you come to learn of the secret wisdom of God as you receive the gospel, you hear the message, and when you accept it, uh, you gain a wisdom from God that you did not have uh, prior to that, because prior to that point, you did not understand uh, the, the purpose of the cross, and you were not yet relying on the cross as the means by which your sins are forgiven, and you are brought into a relationship with God.
0: You uh, write in the article, which is, Have You Tapped Into God's Secret Wisdom? It can be found on the Christian Post. Uh, You write that God's secret wisdom is given to those who are humble in heart, uh, not given to the proud. When you talk about this humility and pride, are you talking about like pride as in this day and age of social media, narcissism, where we're self-centered, that type of pride? Or is it uh, what's all about us? Or is it more about like spiritual humility and spiritual boastfulness?
1: Yeah, I think that... uh that second one there son is really more of what i was getting at uh this idea of having spiritual humility uh where a person um approaches this topic with the realization that we don't have all the answers you know um this isn't something that you're going to be able to prove or disprove scientifically um you know we know we live in an age where where that tends to be given um almost preeminence at least by some for sure uh you know science is king but but science uh cannot prove or disprove um, the secret wisdom of God and so it takes uh, spiritual humility um in order to approach scripture and 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 to ask God to reveal the truth to you because apart from scripture son apart from a a humble approach to the Bible. Uh, a person cannot enter God's family through faith uh, if they're not willing to just take God at his word. And beyond that, then you won't be able to live a life of uh, one that is pleasing to God while you're here on earth, if if you're not in his family. Um, and then ultimately, you won't be able to enter paradise uh, when you die. So spiritual humility is key. Uh, you know, I think of the Bible passage, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Um, I I guess an analogy I might use, Son, would be, you know, in your work as a professor, it would be like if a student came into one of your classes that you teach and, you know, day one they start to kind of give off this air like, you know, they already know it all and almost like they know more than the professor already and they they don't realize really how much they have to learn and that this isn't a topic, uh, you know, that, that most students would have uh you know already mastered uh, you know by any stretch and so if it's that uh, way with just uh various courses uh in in a college curriculum, how much more uh important is it son that we approach god's love letter the Bible with humility um, you know it's one thing to think you're smarter than the professor uh you know that that can really um, cause some problems in your in your studies and in your progress but um the minute you start to think you're smarter than God, uh, boy, uh, that lack of humility is is going to really prevent a person from really coming to, to, to grasp the, the secret wisdom of God, the gospel message of Christ, and it's just going to be, you know, uh, harmful to a person spiritually all the way around.
0: I think we saw in the New Testament, a lot of people thought they were smarter than Jesus, and we realized or found out how that turned out, didn't turn out very well for those people that thought they were the smarty pants in the group. Right. You know, the other thing that comes to mind when we're talking about this, and again, we're talking with uh, Dan Delzell, he's the pastor of Wellspring Church in Papillion, Nebraska, and the the topic today is an article he wrote for the Christian Post, Have You Tapped Into God's Secret Wisdom? And we're talking about, you know, uh, spiritual humility, spiritual boastfulness, and how we need to be uh, humble when we approach God. But the the thing that comes to me when it comes to this media and entertainment, you know, we we, we sit and talk and, and do the podcast and, you know, our main message is to get the message of salvation to the listeners, you know, to kind of, like I said, bring the nonsense of this world into focus and put it into a biblical perspective to try to make some sense out of it. But, you know, I've been in the media for many years. I got an ego. Uh, I'll admit that. You know, I want this podcast to be heard by as many people as possible, um, so my so the the point is if we are out there doing this and yes we want the message to be out there but you know honestly if I'm honest I want people to hear it too is that an example of us being proud and boastful or is that okay
1: That's a very good question son I, I think it boils down uh, to a person's motive in uh in in terms of whether or not that would be Um, you know, moving into this realm of of pride that that, uh, does not please God, as compared to, you know, like what the Apostle Paul largely experienced, you know, he wrote, I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. And I I believe with the Apostle Paul, who was filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with a, a desire to reach the lost for Christ and to disciple the saved, that it was not um, uh, an example of human pride for him to want to reach more people. Uh, In fact, Paul also wrote, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, Paul was not out there, you know, trying to get a notch in his belt or make a name for himself, but he did want to reach as many people as possible. So to use your example there, Son, of, you know, what about like a podcast, or, you know, what about a, uh, you know, a Christian who wants to, you know, get get their a particular uh, message out there, you know, on their podcast or, you know, the article that they've written or the sermon they've given or the song that they've, you know, performed or whatever. Um, a lot of it really depends on, you know, what is the goal deep down of, of the individual. You know, think, for example, son of like a firefighter who um has a a house on fire and there are 10 people inside that let's say the building it's maybe an apartment building let's say and it, it's going to collapse it, it appears before very long and so um this firefighter wants to rescue all 10 of those people uh you know and and so he you know he is not thinking about um you know uh what's in it for me but 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 you know he or she will be looking at it as, as if, you know, what can I do to save them? Almost like in uh, Jude 23, you know, where it says snatch others from the fire and save them. Um, so it can be a very noble goal to want to reach as many as possible, you know, with a podcast or, you know, with a sermon or with a, a Christian program. Um, and we just want to pray that the Lord works on our heart and guards our heart and that we do whatever we can to guard our heart so that we're not doing it, you know, to make a name for ourselves or, you know, out of pride. You
0: know, like you said, God knows the heart. He knows our intentions. And I think that's important for us to remember that, you know, God is the one who deserves the credit and the glory, not us when it comes to our successes and accomplishments, because, you know, he has given us that talent and then we can use it. You know, whether it's you as a pastor or me as a professor, you know, we can be emptied of our pride and be filled with the Holy Spirit and do what God has given us to do with the talents and not have it be for our own credit, but for God's glory.
1: Absolutely, Son. You know, I think of, uh, you know, James uh, chapter three, you know, it says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such, quote-unquote, wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and evil practice. So, selfish ambition is a very different thing than a burden to reach lost people with the gospel, a burden to um, help Christians grow in their faith, and so in order for us to be emptied of pride, um, we we need we need the Holy Spirit to fill us. We we need to stay in the Word uh, of God. We need to stay in in prayer, uh, and we just need to guard our heart and our minds uh, from moving into those areas that are going to um, you know fill us with pride and oh look at me look what I did when. You know, really, it's, it's the Lord uh, who does it through us, and he deserves all the credit.
0: Dan DelZell with us. We're talking about, have you tapped into God's secret wisdom? And Dan, you write that a uh, drastic change requires the miracle of conversion, and that through repentance and faith in Christ, we become a new creation. You know, saved people, I think, uh, you also write that saved people uh, think differently than lost people. We have a new nature, so this is where we receive that secret wisdom of God. So I like the fact that it's a drastic change. It's the miracle of conversion, which is something that, you know, God's giving it to us. But then just through some basic, simple, you know, you talk about secret wisdom, like you mentioned before, it really isn't all that secret to finding God's wisdom, is it?
1: Well, no. As you say, son, there's that new nature that the believer is given. You know, in 1 John chapter 2, um, belie- <clears throat> believers are told you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. Now, the Greek word there for uh, anointing is charisma, uh, from which we get the word then you know charismatic, and and uh, we, we refer to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, in, in, in this context, though, um, it's really just talking about. This um, what some call an unction, this anointing, um, this this power from God and from the Holy One, as it says here, so that we're able to grasp the truth. In fact, um, John goes on to write here a few verses later, the anointing you receive from him, that is the Holy Spirit, remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in Him. You know, it's interesting, Sam, because that word anointing is used a lot today in Christian churches, and, um, and, and rightly so many times. I mean, um, it, it, is, it is correctly uh, noted that it's very important, uh, if a person's going to preach the Word, um, to be anointed uh with the Holy Spirit uh to, to, to preach that word so that God is using it um to his glory and in his power. But you know, this passage in first John is is pointing out that every believer has an anointing. Every believer has this secret wisdom from God. And and notice what he, he writes here, son, that the anointing is in you and and the anointing teaches you about all things. So There is this realm of of wisdom that we enter where we start to see things we didn't see before. And, you know, uh, often, you know, the the analogy is used um, that, you know, C.S. Lewis uh, came up with, and and many have have, have seen the movie, you know, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and where the children go through that wardrobe there in that that big uh, castle, and then they go into another... Uh, another realm. They go into Narnia, and, and that is a picture of the unbeliever being converted there at the point of the wardrobe, and once you're converted, now you have an anointing from the Holy One. So just as the children were then, were then able to experience um, you know, people in Narnia and, and uh, situations in Narnia that they would not have been able to experience unless they'd gone through the wardrobe. In that sense, they had, they had an anointing to see that, to experience that. That was, you know, really Lewis's point there, and he did it um, brilliantly uh, in order to illustrate uh, in, the, in this parable, if you will, that, um, that what happens when a person receives this new nature through faith in Jesus Christ, is that you are now in a new realm, and you're seeing things and believing things and understanding things that you didn't before. Why is that? Because you have an anointing from the Holy One. This is what now opens up the secret wisdom of God. And so once you're in Christ through faith, it's no longer a secret to you. Uh, It's something that you see. It's something that you now believe, and you, you now are beginning to understand it. Um, but but notice that John did say though, um, just as it has taught you, um, remain in Him, and so it's important that we walk closely with Christ if we're going to continue to uh, really benefit uh, the way God wants us to from this anointing.
0: Hebrews eleven six says, without faith it's impossible to please God, and then yet we require that miracle conversion that includes faith in Jesus. Now, I've heard some people say that you need to receive Jesus or that you need to seek out Jesus. But is it true that in reality, Jesus is the one that is seeking us out, that he's the one that's standing at the door knocking. And if we let him in, he'll come in. And so we really need to be focusing on being open to the leading of the Holy Spirit and Jesus seeking us out.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good way to think about it, son. It, it reminds me of the verse in James 4 eight. you know, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Uh, I'm reminded of Jesus saying, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And so uh, Jesus does uh, seek us out. Um, In fact, he he told his disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you uh, to go and bear fruit. And and so how can a person put himself or herself maybe into the best position to meet Jesus? Well, um, come near to God. Seek first his kingdom. Um, Open up the Bible. Uh, You know, the the way Martin Luther did when he came to uh, Romans 117 that says, the just shall live by faith. And suddenly all of his works righteousness, all of his religion that he was trying to um, do in order to earn his way into God's acceptance, suddenly that message got washed away with the message of the gospel, the grace of God. Uh, You know, Paul wrote, of course, of this righteousness from God that comes through faith in Christ alone. And so um, you're right, son, in that, you know, Jesus will seek us out, Jesus will reveal this message of his righteousness to us. I tell you, what man's going to experience, in a way, is what Adam and Eve did when they sinned. You know, what did they do? They sought to cover themselves right away. They they felt guilty. And, you know, man does the same thing, of course. Uh, I mentioned Martin Luther. He did it for years with religion but it never covered the guilt, it never washed away the sin, it never brought in peace. All the fig leaves of religion that that Luther and millions of people are are using to cover themselves, it does nothing to wash away sin, it does nothing to bring a person uh, into this new realm, um, into this anointing, into this secret wisdom of God. What's needed, Son, is the white robe that God places on a soul the moment a person is converted. So we keep going back to that, don't we? Repent and believe the good news. Why was that Jesus' first sermon? Because a person must be converted. Jesus said, you must be born again. This is how, then, um, we, we, we meet the Lord. And so, um, yes, Jesus seeks people out, and um, when, when a person hears the gospel message, and they, and they hear this command to repent, and this offer of forgiveness, free grace, free salvation in Jesus... Um, It would be very wise to take the Lord at his word, turn from sin, trust Christ as your Savior, go into your own Narnia, as it were, and the secret wisdom of God will now be within you, and you'll begin to understand Scripture like never before.
0: Dan DelZell is with us. He's the pastor of Wellspring Church in Papillion, Nebraska, talking about an article that he wrote, Have You Tapped Into God's Secret Wisdom?, and, Dan, throughout the article, you talk about wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God. Can you define the the two for us a little bit more, kind of maybe give us an idea of which, uh, what each of these wisdoms might be like so that we can kind of know the difference?
1: Sure. Well, you know, the wisdom of the world, Son, is ultimately anthropocentric. That is, it is man-centered. It's all about man, his opinions, his ideas, his intelligence, you know. God's wisdom, on the other hand, is Christocentric. It is Christ centered. Uh, it, it flows through Jesus and the grace that He gives us uh, by His death for our sins on the cross, so that all who trust in Him as Savior are forgiven. You know, the wisdom of the world, Son, uh, really sees no need for forgiveness, no need for conversion, no need for living a life that pleases the Lord. That's all you know, it kind of just shoved over into this category the world calls, you know, religion, but it doesn't make sense to man's natural way of thinking. Uh, in fact, the wisdom of the world uh, tends to look down on the Bible. Uh, it tends to be a huge critic of the Bible, very skeptical of the Bible. Um, there are many victims today of Bible bashing. What I mean by that is, They've been brainwashed uh, to uh, to think they can't trust the Bible, that they can't believe that all Scripture is God breathed, when in fact it truly is. Uh, you know, the wisdom of the world also it, it promotes pride son in our accomplishments, whereas God's wisdom, on the other hand, boasts in the cross. Uh, we heard that a few moments ago in in Paul's reference. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, son, before Paul was converted, oh my goodness, he boasted in his religion. He boasted in, in what uh, what an ideal Jewish man he was and the way that he felt he was keeping the law and keep, following the traditions. And boy, did he boast in himself. But that all changed when he was converted, when he met Jesus on that Damascus road. And there is a huge difference between... Um, worldly wisdom and the wisdom of God. Uh, you know, the wisdom of the world also views all religions as equally valid, uh, whereas the wisdom of God says uh, that, that Jesus is the only way, just as our Lord said, uh, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, worldly wisdom says that's too narrow. Uh, worldly wisdom says Um, You know, who are you to think that you're any better, you know, than some of these other prophets? Uh, And this is, of course, why the world and its wisdom tends to hate Jesus, because Jesus comes along and he says, um, you know, we are not equal here. You know, I created everything. Um, I I am here to save you. Uh, You know, prepare for eternity. Uh, The wisdom of the world, all it says to people, Son, is, you know, prepare for your retirement. And Jesus came onto the scene and started talking about heaven and hell and, um, you know, saying some very, very serious things about these uh, matters. And and, and so the immortality of the soul is really at the core of God's wisdom. And it is very different than the wisdom of the world, very different than the way man celebrates uh, what he assumes to be, you know, the most wise components of earthly thinking. But boy, I tell you, without the gospel, son... It is ultimately empty, and it will do nothing to connect a person to their Creator. It will do nothing to forgive their sins. It will do nothing to save them from hell and, and bring them to heaven one day. Only the wisdom of God can do that, and God wants to do that for all people. God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And so it is truly a glorious message of hope, forgiveness, and eternal life in heaven.
0: Kind of reminds me of the verse where we uh, should store up our treasures in heaven because on earth, you know, moth, dust, corrupts, you know, thieves breaking and steal. But in heaven, that's where our focus should be because it totally changes what our life is going to be like. You know, the Bible also talks about us not leaning on our own understanding because if we do, then we might just be relying on the wisdom of the world and we might actually be fooling ourselves.
1: Well, that's, that happens, I think, Son, all the time, you know. Um, you know, for example, you know, uh, uh, you know, every believer should try to imagine a world, for example, without the Bible. Um, try to imagine a world where there's no revelation of truth from our Creator. Try to imagine a world where there's no message of salvation, you know. Imagine a world that you experienced as a believer before you came to know Christ. Experience, you know, just reflect upon that, because this is where so many people are living today's time. They're living in that, that little world of their own understanding without the anointing that exists within every believer. You know, that doesn't make us, you know, as believers better than others. We are all sinful. We all need a Savior, and we should never um, look down on anyone because of their religion or their lack of faith or their life or anything like that. Because, uh, except for the grace of God, you know, we would be lost in our sin, and we would be without hope. Um, We would be relying on our own understanding. And, uh, you know, but just try to imagine a world that exists today within the soul of an unbeliever. And if you who are listening, you know, if you say, well, I'm an unbeliever, then you don't have to imagine that world. You know what it's like. And, And the thing that you could do today, my friend, is to now imagine a world where you know, that God loves you where you know that Christ died for your sin where you know that you're going to enter paradise the moment your earthly body dies that you know your soul is immortal that you know God covers your sin and you don't have to make up for it yourself in fact you never can i mean those things those beautiful truths and many others you will know but you will only know once you pass through the wardrobe of your own conversion once you were born again saved redeemed justified and forgiven by repenting of your sin and trusting Jesus as your Savior, then you'll have far more than your own understanding to rely on. You'll have this secret wisdom, as I call it, this wisdom from God, as the Bible calls it, that every believer is given in this anointing you receive from the Holy One, the Holy Spirit, who will work the miracle of conversion and then teach you what it means to be a follower of Christ.
0: Dan DelZell with us, pastor of Wellspring Church in Papillion, Nebraska, talking about have you tapped into God's secret wisdom. And and Dan, you just explained how someone could could go through that wardrobe and change from a worldly wisdom to a heavenly wisdom and, and accept Christ. And that's a moment. It's a moment in time. And it's a moment in time that we all must choose. We're going to either accept Christ or we're going to reject him. And I think that some of the most powerful words in the Bible are at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe that that will either happen in this lifetime because Jesus is knocking on our heart and calling us. So we may either choose him or we may reject him, but at that point he's calling us. So at some point either in this life or in the next that decision is going to be made for us. Either we can make that decision out or that decision is going to be made for us because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. So regardless of the decision, there is a caution that we must, I think, take here for the moment. It's kind of like a, an altar call of life, I guess. If we don't answer that call at that particular moment, if we don't enter the wardrobe at that particular moment and we turn away, then that moment may be lost forever. Is that some truth to that?
1: Son, I, I think you've stated it very well, and you have pointed out why this message, Son, really requires that we have such an urgency about it, because we are dealing here with life and death matters, not just merely life and death on earth. You know, if, if we were dealing only with that, that would be huge enough to, to you know, to live life on earth without God's um, presence in your life, without being accepted by God into his family and so forth, that would be big enough. But we're talking about something even far bigger than that. We're, we're talking about eternal consequences. And so, uh, yes, it is like an altar call, son. You know, the Bible says to those who are being um, welcomed and invited to believe that today is the day of salvation. Uh, the Bible also says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. You know, it doesn't talk about uh, tomorrow. Um, you know, there's a, there's a beautiful song that the Winans sang at Whitney Houston's funeral. A person could pull it up on YouTube. But, um, but they sang uh, this beautiful song called Tomorrow. And it's a reminder that, that we're not guaranteed tomorrow. You know, Whitney Houston wasn't. None of us are. And um, the Winans did such an amazing job uh, there at that funeral. And I remember that it was it was broadcast uh, on one of the major uh, networks. And it was just so powerful because everyone needs to hear that message. They need to be reminded that, um, you know, that, that the time is, is running out. Um, you know, I, I had a funeral service uh, on Saturday just a couple of days ago. And, um, everyone there, uh, at that funeral, uh, service, um, needed to hear that message. You know, everyone in America needs to hear this message, son, that you're presenting on this podcast as we talk about these things. Uh, you know, in a very real sense, it's like the Titanic is thinking, um, and, and every person's life is, is heading down. Uh, it, it's heading toward the grave. And it's critical that a person get on the lifeboat while you can still do so, Uh, that you come to Christ while you can still trust Him as your Savior. Because as you pointed out there, Son, one way or the other, you're either going to bow before Him, you're either going to bow the knee when you stand before Him on Judgment Day, uh, having never uh, trusted Him as your Savior, and not being able to on that day either, or um, you're going to bow the knee to Him here on earth while there is still time to come into the family of God, to get on that lifeboat, to use the the Titanic uh, idea there. And and so it's like John said, yet to all who received him, um, you know, it's important to receive Christ as your Savior, but as we know, Son, not everyone will. In Acts 28, uh, verses 23 and 24, we read, from morning till evening, um, he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. And, and, and so when you look in the Bible, you see that the Apostle Paul and the other Apostles, um, they had people all the time who, who some were believing, others weren't. But my goodness, son, even our Lord had that same experience. In John 12, 37, we read, even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. So obviously, son, they were not Um, taking this message of of today, uh, they weren't taking it seriously, they weren't taking this idea that they may not have tomorrow seriously, and, you know, we can only assume it's because they didn't feel that they were in any danger, they didn't feel like they were in that burning house, to use the analogy I use with a firefighter, Uh, they they didn't feel like, you know, they were standing on the precipice there of either going to heaven or hell, Um, they didn't seem to have any idea of that and so in that sense, Son, the secret wisdom of God was a mystery to them. They rejected it because they didn't understand it, and rather than humbling themselves at the foot of the cross, they said, no, thank you, Jesus, I'll pass. No, Paul, thank you, I'll pass. I'll do it my own way. And, and like Frank Sudatra, you know, saying about there are a lot of people who do it their own way, Son— but without Christ, there is no salvation. Jesus made that abundantly clear.
0: You know, as you talk, the other thing that uh, comes to mind, you know, Jesus is knocking at our door. We need to make that decision. But, you know, I think back through life, all the people that I came in contact with, And I start to think, you know, did I do my part in presenting the gospel? Am I sitting there and not, you know, Bible thumping people, but, you know, just in relationships that I've had with coworkers throughout the years or, you know, places that I've been, you know, and, and I guess the point of this is sometimes I sit and I, I kind of, um, kind of get saddened by the fact that, you know what, if I'm honest, I probably didn't do my part in trying to share the gospel either through my, uh, you know, just my life experience, you know, through what I say, through actions, yeah. things like that. And I think that's yeah. a thing that we have to kind of realize is that even though Jesus is knocking on that heart and even though Jesus is seeking out, we have to still kind of do our part and make sure that we present the gospel or we talk to people or, or we just have a, an influence a Christ-like influence on people so that they can see that there is a difference between what we talked about earlier, you know, the worldly wisdom versus the godly wisdom. And, you know, as I sit here and think about it, you know, there's times where I'm actually sad about myself because maybe I didn't do what I can do. And so then in the end, you know, and they decide not to make that decision, Am I partially at fault for that? I think that's something that, for me, I struggle with. But the point that I want to bring up is that I think as just people, we have to make sure that we are also trying to have a Christ-like influence on people so that when Jesus does come knocking on the door, there's examples where people can see, oh, this gal, this guy, this person, that person. That's what it's like. That's what I want. I'm going to open the door.
1: Oh, definitely, son. And, and you know, you're very honest and, and humble. Just recognition of of times where maybe you've missed those opportunities. I think any Christian who's honest with himself or herself is going to have, um, you know, that 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 same feeling. Because let's face it, son. I mean, there are opportunities that that we have all missed. And 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 you know, I it's good that we we take it seriously. Uh, as you're expressing there, and and we can learn then from those times where, uh, you know, let's say we didn't speak up when we had that opportunity, or we didn't really um, treat that opportunity as maybe a one-time opportunity that we're never going to get again to share the gospel with them. So I really appreciate your words on that, Son, and I think that, you know, all of us as Christians can, um, can gain by that sort of self-reflection on you know, thinking about those times when we've all missed those opportunities and saying, Lord, you know, help me, um, you know, in future opportunities. Uh, because, you know, son, God will save anyone, but he's not going to save everyone. Uh, you know, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so um, we are praying that those that we, we witness to um, will uh, become like little children in that sense, and receive the message. And our job is not to, you know, convert them. I mean, that's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. But as you rightly and wisely point out, Son, we do have opportunities, though, to to speak up, to witness with our words, with our life, with both of those things. And then um, God, will, God will work, and we, we pray that uh, the folks we're reaching out to receive Christ while there's still time for them to
0: do that. Dan Delzell with us. He's the pastor of Wellspring Church in Papillion, Nebraska, author of the article, Have You Tapped Into God's Secret Wisdom? And so the title is How to Tap Into God's Secret Wisdom, and we touched on it earlier, but this title makes it sound so elusive and secret, like a secret society. But as we've been talking and as you've been unfolding the reason behind the uh, article's title, it's something that only the most holy of people would be able to obtain. I mean, I guess I didn't really phrase that right. It sounds like in yes. in, Christi- in Christianese that only the most holy, uh-huh. like only the Pope would be able to have this secret wisdom. Right. But it's really a simple message, and it's open to anyone who accepts Christ and knows God.
1: Well, that is uh, very, very true, Son. And so all a person needs to do is 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 just to accept the fact that, that God loves you, accept the fact that you're a sinner, accept the fact that you cannot save yourself, and then just be willing to turn away from your sin and to trust Jesus uh, as your Savior and to trust Him to forgive you. So as you say, Son, you know, anyone can can come in. Whoever uh, whoever is thirsty, uh, one of the last verses of the Bible in, in Revelation 22, 17, it says, Whoever is thirsty, let him come and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. And I'm so glad the Bible makes it clear, Psalm, that it's open to anyone. It's open to anyone who is thirsty, anyone who wants to be forgiven, anyone who wants to go to heaven when they die. They have an opportunity, especially when they hear the gospel, they have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to surrender their life to Jesus, to commit their life to Jesus. But, but, it really involves receiving that free gift of eternal life by faith as you are handing over uh, control of your life now to the Lord. It, it is a free gift. You don't earn it. Um, you can only receive it. Uh, it's a gift. Eternal life is free. Do you believe it?
0: You know, it reminds me of uh, Newsboys. They sang a song called LG Years in their early, early years ago, in their early days. And in the lyrics, simply put, the water is free, the well is deep when you, it's for everybody. And, um, yeah. and, you know, in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those being saved, it's the power of God. You know, I've been asked before, uh, you know, this question, where does life begin? Or like, at what time does life begin? And, and mostly it comes from the abortion conversation, which is a conversation for another time. But I simply answer that life begins at the cross. Because unless you no, accept I, the cross... Yeah. You know, unless you accept the cross and what Jesus did to save us from our sins, you know, we're just living a uh, zombified life here on earth, running around, living by our own natural instincts and not the godly wisdom you talked about. You know, I
1: like that, Yeah, Life begins at the cross. I mean, you know, you you think of Saul of Tarsus, this persecutor of Christians. You know, how did the Apostle Paul go on, you know, to write most of the New Testament? How did he go on to be, you know— The the one who is, uh, you know, known as the greatest Christian, you know, to have ever walked on the earth, you know, by the grace of God after having been a hater of Christians. Well, his life truly began at the cross, Son, when he uh, renounced his his former uh, religious efforts to save himself, when he confessed his sin of of hunting down innocent people to persecute them uh, because they didn't believe what he believed. Uh, He actually came into the light there at the cross. And, and, you know, your physical life begins at a point, but so also spiritual life begins at a point. And, and, and I like the way you phrase that, Psalm, because your spiritual life begins at the cross, when you confess your sins to Jesus, believe he died there for you, um, Jesus said, you must be born again. And and he wasn't talking there about your body. You know, Nicodemus was trying to wrap his mind around what Jesus meant, you know, this Pharisee he, he who came to Jesus at night, and and he, he was, you know, inquiring, he wanted to try to understand it. And uh, Jesus was talking about what goes on on the inside of man. In fact, Jesus said in that setting there, he said, flesh gives birth to flesh but the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, gives birth to Spirit. So on the inside, a a person comes alive there in your spirit when you bring your sin to the cross. And my friend, it's not complicated. It's not complicated. Today, you can bring your sin to the cross, and if you do that with childlike faith, your life, to use San's words here, truly will begin, and, and you will be on a beautiful road with God that will never, ever end.
0: Dan DelZell with us, and uh, in the article, you write, um, the wisdom of the world operates on a different trajectory than the secret wisdom of God, which we learn really isn't so secret um, as far as being hidden from everybody. And we really do see that in our society today, this different trajectory that we're on. But I also see, and myself included, that sometimes, you know, I try to live in both the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God and try to do both. And And if you're talking about different trajectories, you know, we're going in two different directions and that's just not possible, is it?
1: No, it, it's not possible, son. You know, the Bible uh, speaks of um, how uh, impossible it is to live a, a double-minded life. You know, uh, some people, you know, phrase it like, you know, you've got one foot in heaven and and one foot in hell, or, you know, you're trying to to walk both with God and the devil. You know, it it doesn't work. I suppose you could compare it to a man, let's say, who has two wives, and they're living in different states. And let's say he travels a lot, and when he's in one state, he he, he tells his wife there that she's the only one for him. And then he travels to the other state, and uh, there's another woman there who thinks uh, she's his uh, only one, and she also is his wife, well, obviously it's impossible for him to be faithful to either one of them, uh, you know, because he's living a lie, and he's trying to uh, to walk uh, on, on two different paths that are not compatible. You know, in the Old Testament, of course, God's people, the Israelites, were, uh, were often uh, accused by God uh, of being um, adulterous, of, of committing spiritual adultery. And and so this is why the two wisdoms are not compatible. You cannot live for God and the world. You cannot live for worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. You cannot live a life that is both man-centered and also Christ-centered. You know, something has to give. Um, either Jesus will be sitting on the throne of your heart, uh, or you will refuse to hand that over to Jesus, because Maybe you're afraid of giving up control, you're afraid of this, you're afraid of that, that's natural. You know, human fear is natural, but what is supernatural is being born again. What is supernatural is having Jesus come inside you, uh, where you receive the anointing from the Holy One, the forgiveness of sins. You start to understand things you never understood or would have understood. In, in the world apart from God being in your life so yes um, that's a that's an important point you make that um, you you can't live with both wisdoms uh, as, as the the direction of your life it just won't work
0: you know in the end it sounds like it really just comes down to a matter of the heart you know a heart that is wanting to serve and please God or a heart that wants to serve and please this world and as the bible says you can't serve both masters so we really have a decision to make and it's That decision is, are we going to seek Christ first, his forgiveness and repentance and be saved and live in eternity and glory? And then on a daily basis. So I guess, I guess the point what I'm trying to say there's two decisions we have to make. First decision is that ultimate decision. Are we going to accept or reject Christ? And then the second one is on a daily basis, which master are we going to serve?
1: Oh boy. I tell you, son, that that's great. You know, uh, it it, it really, I I think, is backed up by just looking at the the, the human relationship of of marriage. You know, we're in June, of course, and there'll be many couples getting married this summer, you know, many already have and many more will. And it, of course, will be a matter of the heart and the mind uh, of these couples, you know, committing to one another and, and really doing two things, as you rightly point out there about, you know, Christianity, you know, and that is making the decision on the front end, but then making the daily decision, you know, to walk with Christ as a Christian, Um, and see at the cross, uh, Jesus said, I do. Uh, But now it's up to the individual with their heart and their mind to decide whether or not to say, I do, to Jesus, Uh, whether or not to receive him as your Savior. You know, the easy part, though, is walking down the aisle, you know, whether it be um, in marriage or whether it be, you know, becoming a Christian. Um, The easy part is on the front end. The challenging part in both marriage and in Christianity is once you've made that commitment, once that relationship has been sealed. Now, living a life of, of sacrifice, living a life that fits within the parameters of what um, the Christian life is to be, or what a married life, you know, is to be. You know, for example, uh, you know, a, a man or woman could ask himself, you know, would I be willing to die for my spouse? I mean, that's going to be a good indicator of, of um, you know, is there the kind of love for my spouse that I I, I need to have and they need for me? You know, in terms of Christianity, you know, a person may say, well, you know, I, I, I said I do to Jesus years ago, uh, and it's kind of maybe, you know, faltered a little bit. Well, here's a question then for, for you, my friend. Would you be willing to die for Christ today, you know, if it came down to it? And if someone put a gun to your head and said, you know, renounce your faith in Christ, or or else I'm going to shoot and kill you, as, as happened there, you know, in Columbine, we are told of that famous story of, of the young woman and others there, you know, who would not renounce their faith, and and it goes on all around the world. Uh, you know, people are willing to die for Christ. Ever since he died for us 2,000 years ago, it, it's been going on with the apostles. It's been going on with millions of Christians, but, but it begins at the altar, doesn't it, son? It begins at the cross. It begins with conversion. It begins with an anointing from God and with the secret wisdom of knowing that Christ died for your sins in order for you to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And so, yes, it comes down to a matter of the heart. I'll, I'll share one passage there in Ephesians, a very familiar passage often you know used in weddings and so forth, but it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And that, my friend, is what the blood of Jesus will do for you today and for your soul. It will make you holy in God's sight, even blameless in God's sight. You say, how can that happen? Because the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. The moment you have that secret wisdom um, your sins have already been forgiven. You, you've already been cleansed. You've already been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Uh, the bride and the bridegroom have already both said, I do. But the question today, my friend, is have you said that to Jesus? He said it to you 2,000 years ago, but have you entered a relationship with him today? And if you have, if you're one of those listening, and you say, Yes, I have. Well, then the question for us is, am I walking closely with my Savior today? Am I seeking to do His will in all things? That is the goal, then, of every believer, because the anointing that that has been placed in us, it remains in us, and we are to remain in Christ.
0: You know, Dan, when you mentioned the altar, it reminded me of a song by Ray Boltz. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, called The Altar. And it talks about the service coming to a close, the choir singing, Just As I Am. and yes. And it goes on, you know, that people are coming to the altar to pray. And the lyrics go on to say some are finding mercy, forgiveness for their sin. Some are fighting battles as they struggle to within. Uh, The time has come to give them to the Lord. That's what the altar's for. Don't have to carry those burdens anymore. I think a lot of times, you know, it's hard, especially we've been talking about spiritual pride. We've been talking Mm -hmm. about, uh, you know, God's wisdom, things like that. But it's oftentimes where we have spiritual pride that doesn't keep us from God from this, from, from what we've been talking about as far as that secret wisdom, but it keeps us from God because we feel that we need to have this perfection or we shouldn't be struggling with this, or we should yeah. be able to handle the situation a little bit better. But in actuality, when you mention the altar, that's yeah. the place that we need to be because we are broken people and that's where we can yeah. get restoration.
1: You know, that, that's a beautiful thought there, son, because, you know, brokenness isn't only needed on the front end when we come to Christ, but brokenness is needed throughout our Christian life on a daily basis, because there will always be some measure of, 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 of guilt, uh, some measure of, of sin, some measure of disobedience, that, that you know, we're, we're not perfect in this life, and we do fall short. And as you point out, Son, um you know, if, if we fall back into the old way of, of thinking and living, we're just gonna live in guilt then as Christians, because well I'm not doing enough or I'm not perfect or I blew it here. Whereas God is is going to motivate us through this assurance of salvation, uh through the power of the word, and 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 by the fact that his love is unconditional and it's not based on our performance, uh, but he does call us to live holy lives. But he he doesn't um seek to have us just live Lives that are weighted down with guilt or shame or uh, boy i 'm never going to measure up that's all part of the old way of life uh the, the The new way of life is to walk in holiness before the Lord, and wherever we fall short in that son, um, we can keep short accounts with God. we can confess that and then move on and not become so you know um just uh focused on, on well, there's this little bit of imperfection here, there's this other imperfection there. You know, as we keep our eyes on Jesus and, and what He did for us, that's going to provide the purity, the power, the holy living, um, and it's going to free us from that from that old way of living, Son, that so many people today are just living, you know, just beaten down with guilt, sometimes because they're religious leaders, you know, if they've really uh, spiritually abused um, their ministry among those those folks and just beat them over and over with, with guilt and shame and never really given them the gospel, never really given them hope, never really given them, you know, hey, God loves you, God forgives you. So, yes, that's a great point you make, son. It's a very, very important part, then, of of living a a holy, joyful life for the Lord, just like in marriage. No husband or wife can really um, become all that God wants them to be if they're just constantly being criticized or being, you know, blamed for this or that. Um, We need to encourage one another, but we only will get that as we stay in the Word, stay in prayer, and as we can continue to meet, you know, at least weekly with other Christians, and, and, you know, many of us are going to need more than just once a week because that fellowship is an important part of this process of growing to become more like Christ.
0: Dan, I know you've mentioned it throughout our conversation, but uh, if someone wanted to accept Christ and tap into God's secret wisdom, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, yes, thank you, Son. Well, my friend, um, if you would just, in the quietness of your heart, uh, just talk to the Lord right now, um, you can enter into um, this new realm, this wisdom of God, this anointing of God, this forgiveness of God, if you'll just, in your heart or even out loud, if you'll just say, say these words as a confession of, of faith now uh, from you, as a profession of faith, just say, Lord Jesus, uh, I, I'm a sinner, I, I cannot save myself, I have fallen far short, Lord, and, and I now know my religion cannot save me. My works cannot save me. But I believe, Jesus, when you died on the cross, you, in essence, said to me and to the world, I do. And so you went to that altar of the cross. And here I am today, Lord, at my own altar, my own altar experience. Uh, I, I don't have to be, Lord, in, in front of a church to do this and right here. This is church, Lord, between you and me. I'm at my altar, and I'm giving you my life, and I surrender my life to you. And and I ask you to come into my life and to forgive my sin and be my Savior, Jesus, and wash away my sin with your blood and fill me with the Holy Spirit. And and Lord, may this anointing then teach me, teach me much every day as I dig into your word daily and spend, you know, lots of time studying your word and, and studying it with other Christians and praying and meeting with other Christians, Lord, so that I can be strong and then protect me, Lord, from the old way of life. Protect me, Lord, from the old way of thinking. And thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior and my Lord. And help me now, Lord, to quickly get connected uh, to, a, to a church where um, the Bible is, is being faithfully preached, Jesus is being lifted up, Christians are gracious and loving and growing in faith and serious about um, the Christian life and, and about loving other people with compassion. Uh, thank you, Lord, for this uh, wonderful gift of salvation I, that I've just received by faith in Jesus' name, amen. And now, my friend, just know, as it says in the in the Bible, as John writes, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And you have it now, my friend, through faith, as you just trusted Jesus to forgive you. May God bless you and help you to grow as you continue to listen uh, to San's podcast that uh, that he uh, presents regularly, and, and also other uh, Christian messages in your own church as you'll get connected to one we pray very soon if you're not already, and uh, we'd love to help with that, so please just let us know.
0: Dan DelZell, pastor of Wellspring Church in Papillion, Nebraska. The conversation has been, Have You Tapped Into God's Secret Wisdom?, and I think by now you have a good understanding of what that wisdom is, what that wisdom is, and how to uh, achieve it. And Dan, anything else you'd uh, like to share as we wrap it up?
1: No, it's just been uh, such a joy, Son, to talk about these issues with you. Um, they are they are things that you know we we only know because God's revealed them to us in Scripture. And I just thank you, Son, for you know the way that you're so willing to tackle these challenging topics and. And, uh, and just allow us this opportunity to, to talk through them. And I just really appreciate your heart for, for people and, and um, recognizing that we're all, you know, in this, you know, together in a sense that we all need the Lord. We're all broken people. And so I really appreciate the way you go about your ministry, son. And thanks for letting me, you know, be a part of it here again today.
0: Dan Delzell, thank you so much. We appreciate it. We thank everybody for listening. And until next time, God bless.